We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucky Lefty is on CFB Nation, presented by Twisted Teeth. So, as you heard Malik talk about, um, there's some beautiful things in this world, man. And one of the most beautiful things that inspired me is I watched the Equalizer 3 in theater. Um, I got inspired to take a trip uh, to the coast, west coast of Italy. And uh, in the works, and uh, just to be blessed to have the opportunity, man, it's, it's crazy, right? And then I told Left, I said, man, you go ahead and watch the movie when you get a chance. And you hit me up yesterday and was like, yo, I watched Equalizer 3. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you take from it, bro? I don't First know. The, about, setting, the setting threw me off for Denzel this time. Dude, the village was the star for me. Like, I was sitting up there, like, yeah, I would love to wake up there, bro. I mean, would you? Heck yeah. Yeah, you're talking, dude, I did foreign exchange in high school. Not, so. not living there. You, no, you no, vacation. For, vacation. Yeah, you would enjoy yeah. for maximum. No, he was trying to make it like his place to live. I'm not trying to do that. Yeah, I think what threw me off just was his involvement so deeply with a foreign area. I mean, you know, he, you a vigilante in a small town, and that, you know, and you you new to the area, so mm-hmm. that kind of threw me off from a, a movie setting place. Like, why are you in it? Like, what you doing in Italy? Like, you know, people... <laughs> so that threw me off. Uh, and so I think from there, it was just like you you heavily involved in helping these people out like they secret police. It just would hit harder, I think, if he was from there, you know, if he was in like he was an equalizer, too. He was at the crib. He was helping a young boy out at the, with his art in the community. And the man wanted to do art. And so it connected more when he was whooping A. So you don't remember? Old boy being a passenger and equalizer too. When he was he was considering suicide. Oh shoot! I gotta see. I gotta see. That he had been, that's you know what I'm saying. Like he eventually went and found 
I don't want to tell the whole story, like you know right, how right. the money and everything, like it, yeah, I mean, everything it connected. It, it connected. It just is like, damn, like you in. I, I I guess I guess, and then you know it's it's also to see, see see the thing is it's believable when Denzel does it, but my problem with CBS Late Night is they have Queen Latifah in that same set and whooping all them mm. dudes, and mm. that's when it becomes unrealistic for me, and I don't like the show. Mm. But it don't got nothing to do with Queen Latifah. It's just like Denzel pulling off like the move in, in the first beginning scene. Queen, yeah, he whooped the dude and. Queen literally did you want you and I T Y dude. I can't watch yeah, that. I can't watch. I can't watch her beat. Yeah, believe it. Yeah, I can't believe it. It's a belief no. factor. I would believe MC Light beating up people before Queen Latifah. <laughs> like real talk, Lil Kim. No. I would believe beating up people before Queen Latifah. Like exactly. So the belief factor, I think, is what throws me off about the the TV version of the show. But uh, from a movie perspective, I love to see Denzel. My favorite part. Is when he'd be like, you got nine seconds to figure out what you want to do. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're not trying to give away the movie, but you know when we hit that stopwatch. When he hit that watch, it's, it's, it's something to be seen. You better watch out. You know, you better listen to that, man. So that's, I love the watch scenes. Those are my yo, favorite every movie. <laughs> yo, my favorite part was uh the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bossed up on dude. When he bossed up on dude. Yeah, man. that's yeah. right. That's, that's right. That's, that's, that's level two. They hit the man with this nerve. This, this nerve level, does this. This level three. If I go to level four, you're gonna you're gonna defecate on yourself. Yeah, everybody's gonna be embarrassed. Now you don't want to do that. I already got you. I already got you hemmed up on the wall. Everybody looking, but that's not gonna be the embarrassing part. You know what? What else they did to kind of like? Because in the first two, it was like parts of him that really wasn't. It didn't feel human. 
Yeah, some of them. I, man, when when Shorty came out and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna take you take you to check out the food. Make sure you wear that hat." I'm that's like, right. "Oh shoot!" And she was like, "Who cooks for you?" I was like, "Oh shoot!" Yeah, that's right. They oh had shoot! Because he can't be he can't be too John with because right. he wouldn't be believable. Right, you know the the, the brother always got to have a little something. You know, all his movies he had a little something going on. Right, John Wick was like, okay, he's Stone Cold. He had his dog. Okay, you can believe that, John. uh, This dude Equalizer, he he got to have him something Mm -hmm. because he older. You know, if you older as a man, you like, all right, let me wind down with something. You know, so he got to have something on the side. Listen, I like the fact that they play into this game. Shorty, Shorty put it out there like, right. hey, that's right. you know what I'm that's saying? Right. And he, got called, he, he called it, though. He you know, called at it. first I thought he was going to try to, you know, still play it cool, be, you know, but he called it like. The only problem right. I just don't like, though, is uh, I wish they had a setup better. You know, when they, the final scene, you know, when he, uh, he going into the spot, but he already up on dudes. Just how'd you get there? You know, you just drop in and you just cooking dudes off the. So maybe a lead up story to it would be a little better. But he just in the action too fast. Dudes be too unaware. So you know, Dude, I told my wife. I said that might be one of the coldest lines ever. Your boy pulled up. Was about to take care of him. You know how it happened. You talking about that last scene or the scene before that. And dude told him, this ain't over. I'll be back. That dude looked at him and said, I'll be here. Hurry up. Yeah, he said, hurry up. Yeah, he said, hurry up. I I said, wait a minute. I've heard I'll be here. But when you tell the dude, hurry up, like, okay. He said, I ain't going nowhere. I'm, I'm right here. I'm here. That sounds like some stuff an offensive lineman is supposed to say to a defensive line. And he like, was answering the dude quick. He he wouldn't even let dude finish it. He no. said, I'm, I'm about to be back. Well, be back. Come on. Hurry up. What you mean? <laughs> Denzel was on time in that time. It reminded me of training day. It like, threw me all the way back to training day. And that dialogue in the center with all the people around. It had that moment of it. But, uh, you know, uh, you know. I think at the end of the day, for when you speak about Notre Dame and how Marcus Freeman should be, Marcus Freeman should be on mm-hmm. his his equalizer. Mm. You know, I think he's supplanting himself just like Denzel does in a community of stress. Notre Dame is a community of stress. Marcus Freeman mm-hmm. going there make good with the people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gonna make good with the people. And then you, you you take care of business. You take out the things that have been holding the, the, the place down. And I do think that's where Marcus Freeman can come in, but he has to be more aggressive. I think a lot of situations that have happened, they have taken advantage of him because he's young. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get away with hiring an offensive head coach with a guy that's five or six years in the game. I don't know how you do that. <clears throat> but Marcus Freeman, I think he's on year three, and he's like, yeah, it's time to take hold of this because I think a lot of where we've lacked in the program is because he hasn't taken hold of those spots. He's probably mm-hmm. looked at it as, oh, it'll take care of itself, but as he's realizes that he has to take care of everything or at least have 
a hand on each situation and that the ones that he deems is going to take care of himself, they usually don't come to fruition. Just can't trust it. <clears throat> I don't know why you would. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, I think there's more things working against him than for him. Um, I'm glad you made that connection. You know, once again, this is why I love our conversations and how we talk Notre Dame in different ways and based upon certain things that happen because Marcus Freeman is um, somewhat of a stranger. He's an Ohio State grad. Um, he did a lot of things to ingratiate himself to the Notre Dame culture, um, transferring over to uh, the Catholic faith as an example of that. And um, in that youth, I think he's learning how to be a head coach. He was already a great recruiter. But most of all, I think he's learning how to be a winner at Notre Dame. Being a winner at Ohio State is totally different than being a winner at Notre Dame. Yes. Totally different. Totally different. What Ryan Day is tasked with is totally different than what Marcus Freeman is tasked with on a daily basis. That's right. And uh, that learning curve isn't exactly uh, favorable to somebody that's trying to start out. I think Marcus Freeman is going through a a different perspective of starting out as a head coach. Because, you know, most head coaches start at smaller schools, schools that especially aren't on the radar or under as much spotlight or demand to be good year one. You look at a Lance Taylor, you look at, I mean, not Lance Taylor, Mike Elko, uh, some of these other guys that are just starting out at these other programs. They know that's not their landing spot. Jeff Brom knows Louisville isn't the resting place of where Jeff Brom is going to be in his career. It's a starting spot as a head coach, even Purdue. So most of these guys that are starting out get these unexpected jobs where they can develop an identity for themselves before they move to a bigger program. Well, Marcus Freeman is in a rare position where he has to – identify himself and build an identity at a place where things need to be ready to roll. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it goes back to Notre Dame hiring a guy demanding him to win, but he's a first year guy. It's like, I can see the setup from a mile away. Mm -hmm. you, you have these Brian Kelly, 10 year, 40 year coaching expectations on a guy who's never been in the position of a head coach before. Mm -hmm. And then you tell him, well, if you don't get it done, that's our expectations. Well, you knew that when he wasn't a head coach before you hired him. Brian Kelly was an experienced <laughs> head coach that had developed two programs and won championships on another level. I mean, really built his way up. And still, in and his still, first two seasons, from a record standpoint, very similar to Marcus Freeman. Because it's not Dame. easy. 
It's a even, different beast. Even with experience, it's not easy because a of different the beast. that you have to be updated with culturally. And and as a and as a coach, you have to really be locked into who you are as a coach. Like you look at Lincoln Riley, I think he is who he is. He's a probably a hell of an offensive coordinator. But if you want to win a, a championship, head coach is probably not his forte just because he has a common denominator that defeats his teams every time. This is this is just to give you this stat, Left, and then you can continue. But I just want to give you this stat. It supports where you're headed. Would you agree that USC is a different beast than Oklahoma? Absolutely. Totally different beast. Do you realize that Lincoln Riley is 17 and 5 in his first 22 games? Just like Clay Helton. Just like Clay Helton. They got the same record through their first 22 games. And Clay Helton is viewed as a horrible head coach in USC history. Lincoln Riley's been doing a great job of pumping and dumping. Mm. Gets into the stock low, pumps it to his medium height, jumps out before it gets to his climax, collects his money, moves on. Mm -hmm. Pump and dump. He's not going to be at USC for too long. Especially if it gets too hot. It got too hot at Oklahoma. Especially the embarrassing loss to Alabama with Kyler Murray, where it didn't even look like it was they should be on the same field. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley knew right there that was the, the, the most he was going to get out of that program because he wasn't changing who he is. And, you know, it's interesting to see him continually recruit these quarterbacks on teams that only get so far. I think Notre Dame is attractive because who knows where we you can take it with, mm-hmm. with with greater talent. We've never put great talent in the seat yet. That's what's so attractive about Notre Dame. We haven't put top tier talent in the seat. And I put it like this because um I got Doma Wap is comparing. I don't know if he's comparing. I'm just going by what we put in the chat. Um Marcus Freeman to Bob Davey and Charlie Weiss, who also were never head coaches. Charlie Weiss was a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator coming from the NFL that was given carte blanche by Notre Dame. Bob Davey, this is my opinion. Bob Davey is a snitch. Mm. Bob Davey, in my opinion, worked with the administration to get Lou Holtz out of Notre Dame. He's a snitch. That's just my opinion. Bob Davey was going back to the administration, snitching on Lou Holtz and snitching on a lot of things. Mm. That's how that's how he ended up with that job. Because he darn he, de- he definitely didn't deserve it. So because he got the job that way, he was in a better position. That's some tea right there, Sean. So you can't you can't compare the positions they had with the administration to Marcus Freeman being interviewed with Tommy Reese already being hired. And yeah, Tommy Reese Marcus having Freeman veto was... wait, Tommy Reese having veto power over Marcus Freeman's first coach first coaching staff. So that you can't compare. And Marcus Freeman was not about to turn down that opportunity. Now we can go into the reasons. 
why Marcus Freeman was not was not about to turn down the opportunity to be a head coach in Notre Dame, regardless of what the parameters were. He wasn't. The opportunity was too big. The money wasn't. The money wasn't, but the opportunity too big. He, he Marcus Freeman didn't have the career leverage to be able to tell Notre Dame, I'm not taking the job unless this or that. I mean, yeah, you don't um, know. You don't know. He just, he never, I bet you he never asked. He ain't had that leverage, bro. I bet he you knew, he Marcus Freeman knew he didn't have he should have. Marcus Freeman should have rolled his leverage with the fact that the fan base was going to crucify Jack. What was and the leverage? Know that Jack wants to look good for the fan base on his no, way out. Half, half, the, half the fan base wanted Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle? Absolutely. Come on. Absolutely. Come on. Not Absolutely. I'm not on these messages, bro. I'm on these message boards not every fickle. day. I'm on these message boards every day. Have we checked on Fickle in Wisconsin or they went blacked out? They went blacked out media. Most of these these people, you could talk about what the buzz was. There were a lot of people connected to the program that were not as happy with the hype. Forget what the players wanted. All of that. I mean, but naturally, naturally. It's it's natural. It's natural that people had their reserves for Marcus Freeman. But at the end of the day, you know, how do you hire the right guy anyway? I think if you're looking at the circumstance Notre Dame was in, the right guy was the one that was going to keep momentum. And and for the momentum that was needed to be kept, because we all felt like we was right there, Marcus Freeman was the best choice. With no momentum, we had a season like we did last year or even – you know, 2016, I don't think Marcus Freeman is in the room yeah. for, for, <laughs> for a conversation because that was a true rebuild year. So I think for Marcus Freeman in this position where he holds the leverage is he, at this point, he can be like, well, you know, I'm I'm looking at $100 million from Michigan State. Hey. And, and somebody I, needs somebody yeah. needs to come correct. Bro. It's not- <laughs> say that it's not just michigan state go get your money it's not just wait a minute it might it might very well be a carousel in the big 10 the michigan job might be open the wisconsin job might be open i think marcus would do well at a public michigan state job might be open you just do. You never. If Mel Tucker know. can do well at a public school, Marcus Freeman will blow it out the water. If Mel Tucker can go into Michigan State in in one year or two years, do all of that, just well, imagine if, what Marcus Freeman would do with a school. If, with if, if Marcus Freeman had carte blanche in the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree with that assessment. Marcus Freeman would go crazy. I agree with that assessment. And for Notre Dame to know that and not and not get with it is why I say we choose not to win national championships. We choose, and it's a choice. We can't say we can't say that Notre Dame isn't getting with it 
right? We don't know, you know, why Father Jenkins and Jack Swarbrick, other than what they said publicly, you know, we don't know why they're stepping away. They could be stepping away to give Notre Dame a better chance of making the necessary changes. They could have had conversations with Marcus Freeman, you know, and found people, Vaca, somebody that could really work with Marcus Freeman that played in the football program under Lou Holtz that can relate. I mean, we have to wait and see over the next two years. But I agree with you. If I'm Michigan State, I'm definitely throwing the bag at Marcus Freeman. I'm calling, I'm calling Magic Johnson like, yo, send some of that commander's money. Mm. Send some of that NFL money, some of that Dodgers money. Let's make this happen. It's uh, it's something else. And speaking of that great coach, left, he spoke to the media and uh, he was asked, "Yo, what is a Narduzzi team? What do you expect?" I think of physical, I think of aggressive, um, especially his defense is something I've studied for years, um, going back to my time in Cincinnati, you know, and, and even his time at Michigan State when he was defense coordinator, I remember studying him. I think I was at Purdue at the time, you know, again, but they're, they're really sounding, always have good corners. They're able to play man to man with their corners and, and load the box and say, okay, try to run the ball. And we have to be able to do that. We can't just become a pass-first team. We have to find ways to run the ball versus a loaded box that you know you're going to see, and they're going to run pressures. They're those hot pressures that you see over and over. And so, we have to be good up front, um, but I also believe we have to be good with our play-action shots. We got to take some some chances downfield and, and make some plays. And so, um, it will be a game of physicality, right? And, and that's what I when I think the challenge for our group is we have to exceed their physicality. Now, Les, I will say this, and I'll let you ride out. It will be a game of physicality, especially from a mental stage. But Pitt cannot hold up against Notre Dame physically. They're going to play hard. Super hard. Super hard. But if Notre Dame is clean, Pitt cannot hold up in the trench. Well, I don't know if if Marcus Freeman is approaching it with the right mindset, considering that he's trying to put, you know, a nail against titanium in, in terms mm. of, you know, when you're facing a defense, you're supposed to take what the defense gives you, not if the defense is good at something, you go against it 100%. So, you know, if you know the strategy in which they're trying to play with, wouldn't you scheme around it to be able to, you know, take advantage of what they're doing, you know, maybe do the opposite or try to find gamesmanship in being more clever than trying to be more physically brute. Obviously, I think we'll win if we're just straight up running, the, you know, nose dives into the A and B gap all day. But I think what we're trying to prove as a progressive team is that we have great coaching to where we're still game planning week to week. We're not sitting on the fact that we're a more talented team, which is going to bully you. 
We're going to, you know, develop our coaching ability because it'll be great for when we go against teams we can't bully that we'll be able to find the right game plan to still take advantage of what they're giving us. So, I, you know, it, yeah, it's easy to just say, yeah, we'll just do what they're expecting us to do. They just can't do anything about it. But I think we've proven that as a team because we haven't proven it against teams that are better than us or equal talented like us to do that same thing because at the end of the day yeah we may have shown it against ohio state but at the end of the day they beat us so it didn't prove to be the uh winning factor that we needed to win the game with i still think we should have thrown the ball in that one so yeah he doesn't want to become a past team but listen it's 2023 this is not the days of maurice claret And your, and your favorite Jim Trestle and Beanie Wells and all those boys, you're going to have to throw the football. Hell, Kyle McCord is throwing the football and they're undefeated right now, to give you a comparison. He's throwing the ball with considerably a great running game. We like Ohio State's running game. We don't love it, but we like it. He's throwing the ball, and he's obviously doing very well this year doing that so if if he can be throwing the ball to have his team in a victorious position i don't know why you don't see that as a trend of what we need to be getting on if we want to see success especially where we are look at washington they throw the football mm-hmm. oregon throws it hell usc throws it alabama is struggling to throw it but they you know texas throws the football yeah, Oklahoma, all they do is throw RPOs. Shout out to your boy Malik holding Arch off down there at Texas. <laughs> Remember, we thought he was going to transfer when Arch yeah. committed to Texas. And here he is, man, getting the start this week. Why, Quinn Ewers hurt, right? Quinn Ewers hurt his shoulder. It's the weirdest thing. He went down, got tackled on his non-throwing shoulder. And ended up hurting his th- his throwing shoulder. It was the highlight is really weird, or the highlight they've been showing where he got hurt. Yeah, so it's just a matter of time, you know. I think for us, our focus should definitely be on becoming a passing team. Marcus Freeman's ideology, I think, is just a little outdated. You a young man, get with the time. Hard, but don't you have to be honest about? Your tools left what's in your toolbox. Yeah, like, you I can tools. want to build, I can want to build whatever. But if I don't if I don't have the tools in my toolbox, I have to be honest about what I can build. Well, that's what Marcus Freeman is out every weekend recruiting and every weekday flying around the country for is to find these guys that are the tools to build what he's what has to be the updated version of the house mm-hmm. houses in the 80s didn't have center islands <laughs> you see what i'm saying you center, had to have you had to have some money center islands center islands in the kitchen and now homes were chopped up they didn't have the open concept <laughs> everybody has to have an open concept now left you're right you're right you're right <laughs> This center yeah. islands are, are are widely important, right? When you when you house shopping, apartment shopping, right? So I think for Marcus Freeman, he he wants that traditional, you know, cabinet set, cabinet, you know, right. 
Right. Back then, back then, families actually ate dinner together. <laughs> so there was you can have a dinner table with a center island. There was a purpose for a dining room table. You know how it is, dude. You have high boy chairs, you know, at a nice lengthy island. Everybody's eating right there, bro. That's right. And so They're eating you right know, there, and people rarely eat. Families re- rarely eat dinner together now, anyway. And it's it's interesting that Marcus Freeman is taking such a old soul approach to being so young and hip mm-hmm. and perceived to be cultured. You know, you would think he would fit more into the Lincoln Riley role or the Deion Sanders comparisons to being the the young the young coach on campus, but he's taking an older approach, which I think Notre Dame appreciates. But I think he needs to take more of the aggressive, updated version on his iPhone. You know, you get them updates from Apple. They say you need 14 iOS. <laughs> and he keeps saying, not now, try again later. Mm-hmm. I get it, but the iOS got the different filters and the lenses and the new ways you can work your widgets. You know what I'm saying? But Marcus Freeman needs to see that, you know, Jim Trussell isn't what's winning right now. That's why he's not coaching right now. Jim Trussell couldn't survive in college football today. They wouldn't score enough points. And I think that he's taking it not with a grain of salt. You take your favorites with a grain of salt. The qualities, the intangibles, the the things you can't see I think he's taking it too literal and and once the results those those teams had on the field but that's not where the game is today because these offenses are getting crazy and you need a you need a trigger man and Jim Trestle had trigger man so I'm surprised Marcus Freeman isn't you know trying to find that similar thing He also, you know, after showing love to Pitt and Narduzzi, and I told you, he mentioned it. I told you I love their defensive backs left. Notre Dame is going to have to have something with double moves in the offensive package this weekend. I mean, but our receivers aren't going to be the reason why we win, unfortunately. But I'm just saying, they are ultra-aggressive and sit on routes, especially hitches, out routes, Devonshire, who's an NFL defensive back. I forget the other kid's name, number three. They are both aggressive and really good. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, 
Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Now, this is, you know, the young guys got more reps during the bye week left, and you talked about Notre Dame needing to identify and develop their future stars starting now. This is what Marcus Freeman had to say about that left. For the guys that played in the game was a typical Monday. You can't, I mean, they just played a tough game Saturday night, so we couldn't go out and really get after those guys um, as much as the twos and the threes. We, we have a lot of good on good reps. And uh, the same Tuesday and Wednesday, the ones practiced. I mean, we had to get after it. And, and But the, the structure of practice was different because it was a lot of good on good. But the chance for twos and threes to get a lot of reps at the end of practice was important. And so um, that, that time is so crucial. And you talk about development of the bottom half of your roster and the future of your roster. You know, to be able to see those guys and we got to watch it as coaches. I mean, the coaches watching and let's evaluate it and, and call things that they know how to do. Like, let's give them a chance to show us what they can do. Not by they're not gonna be able to show us what they can do if they're confused. And so I don't care if we had two defenses called and three offensive plays called. Um, I wanted to see what those young guys could do and, and was pleased. Hmm. Seems like he wants to. Uh, maybe he listened to you the other day. And I was like, yo, yeah, I do need to develop my stars. You're on mute. He's just got to look at the signs. And for Marcus Freeman to where he is in this season, championship maybe not be on the horizon, but he's going to need a star if he wants a chance of recruiting moving forward. He needs a chance of a star to blame deflect as good as as bad as it sounds. Wait, so if I asked you, and I, the chat, I just want to throw this at the chat, too. Right now, the topic you're talking about, how many potential stars do you see for next season? Less than five or more than five? I see less than five, but the the I think there's some that are coming in. Mm. Less than five, I think the, the three stars that we have are Ben Morrison, Xavier Watts, and uh, Jeremiah Love. I think a star is, is appearing and is shown early on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like Kevin Stefferson. That was a star. Man, that dude was so fast. He was bro. a star. He just couldn't keep it together, man. Even though he couldn't keep it together, he was a star, and you knew it, though. Mm -hmm. You didn't sit there and be like Tobias Merriweather, oh, he needs some games, Kevin Austin. Oh, he needs some opportunities. Kevin Stefferson in his limited action, you were like, that's, a, that's the number one receiver. Ben Morrison in his limited action, that's a top corner in the country. Limited action. Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams, it took him a half. Didn't know he was that dude. Now it's less about lightning striking in the bottle. It took, more about it took Trevor Lawrence practices. <laughs> he didn't play. Matter of fact, he played two series in against Texas AM and Dabo knew, like, all right. He threw a touchdown on his first series. This is after Kelly Bryant threw his touchdown. So 
Kelly Bryant thinking like, damn, I thought Tush, are you taking me out? Yes. <laughs> the guy we got. He's like that. That guy one series against Texas A&M and was like, yeah, I'm, I need yeah. to see you guys in my office. I gotta, we got to talk. <laughs> Trevor's just freaking yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, he's just better, man. When is Marcus Freeman going to have that conversation? Marcus Freeman's in there telling guys, listen, we have to go get better. I Imagine think that, that. Com- I look. I don't know if that conversation is happening right now, but I think it'll take place in the future. Aldrich, you need to go ahead and go to the league. Yeah, just do us a favor. Yeah, you do us you a favor. To the, you can go to the league. We ain't telling you that you, you know. We obviously, Darren, we would love we got, for you to stay, but, but go your ass to the league. You go to the league because we love. love you. Not because we need you, because we love you. We love you. Go ahead. Double entendre, if you will. Yeah, don't don't make it. (laughs) Don't don't make us do us do you like Emmitt Smith, man, for Dallas Cowboys. We we love you. Go ahead. Pass on the yonder. Like, yo, we love you. We we gonna miss you, but we're we gonna, gonna miss be, you. We're gonna be straight though. Yeah, we're gonna be straight. You did, but we're you gonna be straight. Don't even think that you, you need to stay to help or win some sh- listen, you you did it. Yeah. Help yeah. us out. You help us more not being if you love us, leave us. You know. And then the two freshmen we got coming in. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you love us for real, you want to help us. Young team, and Aeneas Williams. Take your take yourself to hey, the lead, bro. Devin Ford is still Jabron Payne. Like, you're yeah. making it you're making it hard for us because we can't count you out. Yeah. But we want to see what these other dudes is about. We got some. Yeah. We recruited good now. It ain't like we need you. We obviously want you, but we don't need you. You know. What I mean? Yeah. I left. I I, I think. If they're going to give a chance to these young players, that Marcus Freeman said he was he said I was impressed. Is that not what he said? He said he's impressed. He said we gave them a shot to show us what they can do. Two or three plays that they can do. I was impressed. So you need to put those two or three plays into both game plans on both sides of the ball. That's right. Ben Morrison. Is yo Ben Morrison, Jeremiah Love, Xavier Watts. Those are the three names you said, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm not going to start talking about the incoming freshmen. I, I don't. I, I don't even want to hype. I'll let them set the tone when they get here in the spring or in January. Uh, Jalen Snead hasn't. He's in that same boat. The other young linebackers on the inside, Trey Osbury, have a shot. And Bubakar Traore, in my opinion, has a shot. I I know you said less than five. I, I, I really think they have more than five. Really? I think they do. I think the job that they've done recruiting – and 23 and 24 and 24 is uh 
this 24 class is not splashy, but in my opinion, it's a class that you, I'll give you an example, right? Carson Hobbs is probably like the bottom half of this class ranking. Are we really about to doubt Mike Mickens and what he sees from a recruit left? I don't know how you can ever doubt Mike Mickens. That's, see, that's my thing, right? Because people are like, well, man, you know, he's not super fast. His film, he's not flashy. And I asked Notre Dame fans, are we really about to doubt Mike Mickens? Mike Mickens is going to be a D coordinator while, we, while we're, like, trying to chastise him. It's he, like whatever he looks for and sees. I think Micah Bell is going to end up being. Like, we forget Jaden Mickey has been much better this year. Like, we forget some of these players that are still developing. Right, Jay Mickey's going to get his big shot next year, right? Because Cam Hart graduates, you know. And I think Jay Mickey would be a good player for us, though. I'll put it put it like this, John Massey: If Al Golden is the defensive coordinator, there's no way Kingston is starting as a freshman. Not happening. Not over. Not over a veteran. He, he might become the number one player during the season. But if Al Golden is defensive coordinator, true freshman is not starting that middle linebacker. He put so much out there, man. He'll come up. He'll talk about him in the spring. He'll talk about how much he trusts him, how great he's doing. And then one of the other kids will end up being the starter. You know? Yeah. I mean, that makes and sense. I, I don't. Look, man, I'm. I don't. I actually want to want to change from being that program. I don't want to be that program where the freshman has to come in and start, bro. Freshman linebackers don't come in and just start at Georgia and Alabama. They did at Miami when we when I was there. They had those two freshmen starting. You know, but like for Kirby. Kirby will start freshman in the secondary. I don't know. I have. He definitely will play freshman in the secondary. But I mean, that's what he coaches. That's what he plays. So maybe he feels more comfortable being able to teach uh, freshman in the secondary. But um, Notre Dame seems to be more comfortable starting freshmen in the secondary and playing them in the secondary. But for some reason, and linebacker, man, that's just not the case. 
But I think they have more than five stars on the roster right now that can be developed, or you can start developing your stars. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know. So he was also asked about uh, the passing game left. Oh, listen to this. Throwing the ball early in the year just because of what our past concepts were and, and they didn't have to be play action shots. And, you know, then you come back and you say, okay, we got to be able to run the ball. We didn't run the ball well versus Duke or, you know, we ran the ball well, I think, versus Ohio State, but versus Duke, we didn't run the ball well. We got to be able to find ways to run the ball. Well, now teams are saying, I dare you to throw the ball, right? And they're, 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 they're truly putting an extra defender in the box. And so, you know, part of that is, okay, now we got to be able to take some shots. We got to be able to look like we're running in a run formation and be able to, to run some play action shots. And, uh, and so that will be a challenge for us to continue to evolve that, that, that part of our game. He's using the pass as like the ketchup and mustard to a burger. We want the mm. burger to be the pass game and the ketchup mustard to be the run game. I think that's just what college football is turning to. And defensively, I think he's not, you know, giving enough credit to the ability they've been doing to keep us in games, which mm -hmm. is why I think the offensive struggles have been so blatant. But if I was him, I would focus <clears throat> on what defense is doing well and how – you know, in some cases, they have to provide the offense of more of a chance to, to be in better position. So, you know, if we're just playing coach speak, I think that's the way you should go. All right. Uh, I'm trying to say this without – I'm not trying to be argumentative because it makes it seem like I'm I'm being demeaning towards uh, Kingston, which I'm not. Because the assessment, talent-wise, that Mike Goosby has had, uh, especially after watching him on ESPN a couple of times as the leader of that defense out there in California, what they did the modern day was absolutely bananas but um yo i watched practice all spring the two freshman linebackers were the two most instinctive linebackers all spring in practice and they still haven't gotten run so it like it really doesn't matter how good kingston is bro it, it just doesn't like there is something that Al Golden has in place. He says the middle linebacker and my strong safety have to be my best communicators. It is impossible for Kingston to be his best communicator. Coming in as a true freshman. I didn't say it's impossible for him to be his best player at right. the position. It's impossible to be his best communicator. Yeah, it just, it just is, and that's just what Al Golden has set up. All right, like I'm telling you, I watch practices. The two best instinctive linebackers were the freshmen, and it wasn't even a debate.
But the value of the veteran guys and Al Golden's defense is viewed as more important than those instincts. Right? We heard four games like three, four weeks ago from Al Golden that he trusts Drake Bourne how great Drake Bourne has been in practice, right? So you're going, in my opinion, you're going to hear the same thing about Kingston his freshman year. I don't know. Malik, you've coached against him. You've watched him out there in California, you know, there is a comparison in the chat that he is a day one like Jalen Smith. I don't know how if I agree with that. Jalen Smith was a top, top ten, top ten, five star, top five. Yeah, like I don't. I'm not gonna speak to that. You're a coach, you coach against them, you evaluate. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mike Goosby played the position. So I dare not try to put my evaluation in the same breath as either of you. I just know what Al Golden values, and I know how he's going to operate, and he's going to entreat Kingston. He's not going to treat him any different than the other really good linebackers he has. Good young linebackers he has. Yeah. Like Nolan Ziegler is yo, like there are some really athletic good linebackers in the linebacker room. Like that's right. When Kaiser and JD Lee, the athleticism goes up in the room. And the instincts, in my opinion. So I, it, it's man, and I'm. I don't like it. I don't like it. I understand. It makes Al Golden comfortable to have those guys out there, so he can make the calls that he wants to make. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like if you have better players, man, you just simplify until they catch up. Right. That's it, man. You know, but I can't I can't sit here and complain about Al Golden's defense. <clears throat> right? I should probably say somebody could possibly be in DJ Brown's position, love. Athletically. DJ Brown has had a solid season. No, yeah, wow. DJ Brown's had a solid season. I mean, it hasn't been the most perfect, but he was never the D, the first round pick of the draft. So I think he's contributed to the success we've had and to a defense that's top six. And I think it's that's the beautiful part about our defense is that there's not a necessarily award winning player preseason All-American that's on the team, but as a unit, similar to what a Utah does, yeah, we play well enough to be ranked really high within the efficiency of defense, 
going into the league. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Now, he was asked a very interesting question. He was like, you know, you're talking about giving the twos and threes a chance, but, you know, during this same time and same break and bye week, Jacob Lacey transferred to Oklahoma last year. And there were some other transfers. So, yo, while you're sitting up here giving the twos and threes run, what about that other side? Kids are on track to graduate. And are looking for playing time elsewhere. It's every week, right? And you don't save those for a bye week. To me, I've always challenged our coaches to continue have a continuously have a relationship with the guys in your room, so you know, and they know exactly where they stand and why they stand there, right? And and I think it's important. You don't wait until bye week to have that conversation. So. I take a lot of pride in making sure all of our players understand where they're at, why they're at in in that position, um, and having that dialogue with their position coach. You know, so again, you're you're talking. We're now we're going on to week nine. So um, guys like that, that that want a chance to redshirt that 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 chance is probably already over. You know, in terms of playing more than four games. And so, but again, I think we have to have those conversations every week. Right. And that's so important. And our kids understand exactly what we're thinking. Here's where I think you need to improve. And we have to have that open dialogue. There is no blind obedience anymore. There is there's is honest conversations um, that aren't always pleasant to have, but they they must they must happen. So our kids understand why they're in the position they're in. Now. We, we can't sit here and say what conversations have been have been had. Can I can I tell you a conversation I think that is taking place? Okay. Um I need all you guys to come into the office. Gino, I need all my quarterbacks in the office. Next year, we're going to have a lot of talent on this offense. Some might be freshmen. Some are going to be sophomores. Mixed in with a few veterans. We should be far more explosive next year as an offense. Now, we got a really good quarterback coming in, Kenny. You've been looking real good, boy. You lit the defense up in preparation during that USC week. That's right. You're looking real good, boy. I like, I like, hey. And then during the bye week when the twos and threes went against each other, hey, I, I, mean, I like what I see. We still might go to the portal if the right guy's in there. So, Steve, I don't know. Steve's in an interesting place. I'm surprised Marcus Freeman didn't have that talk with him while he was having with Drew and Tyler Buckner. Like, look, all th- all three of y'all got to go. No, wait, not all three. <laughs> you didn't go Birdman. <laughs> all of y'all got to go. Not all three of y'all. But, you know, and I'm not saying that's a conversation that's taking place, but I mean, that's a conversation that I think we're talking about somebody 
Steve Angeli should definitely thinking about, oh, yo, next year I need to be starting somewhere. I need to be the starting quarterback somewhere. Yeah, if I'm Steve, I'm pushing the gas on being a starter somewhere. Notre Dame just seems to be a little out of reach due to the fact that, you know, we're in a position where we're trying to figure out what's getting us over the hump. And nowadays, if you're not making that impact on arrival or as a transfer or as a redshirt sophomore, Mm -hmm. you just aren't making the cut right away that is going to be visible for a coach to be like, yeah, we need this kid to win to win games. So that's what's going to have me um, interested in seeing where what's important to Steve. Because as a player, the most important thing is getting on the field. And if you waited all this time, you sucked up to Sam all season, all season trying to get cool with him. If you're not burning at the, the the fingertips to play next year, what is really the, the trajectory you're looking for? Because we've seen guys like JT Daniels play team roulette till he found a place to go. We've seen Phil Jakorvic. He said, I'm not taking his non-playing stuff. I'm going to go to a school that's going to find me the place to play. Mm-hmm. So for Steve, it's important for you to know what you want because it helps Notre Dame. You help the team by knowing where you, what direction you want to head in. Obviously, they don't want to openly kick you out, but if you're not going to provide what we need, it, it makes sense to have the Drew Pine route and just find somewhere you'll get some time. Hell, you'll graduate. You got your degree, what you come for, but don't don't hold us hostage and thinking that, you know, you're going to pop on the scene three, four years later when we need an answer right now. And the problem is we just need an answer right now. If you just not an answer right now, it's hard to just see. Right. The, the two quarterbacks last year, one chose to leave before the bowl game and one chose to stay. And even though he eventually transferred in the spring, you know, they chose to handle it two different ways, you know, and uh, like you said, uh, my man, Marcus Freeman said, we've been having those conversations week to week. I'm like, yo, that's, that's, that's real. That's real. And, uh, The only room because the only room that really doesn't have a lot of transfer out is the tight end room in Notre Dame. Like the tight end room in Notre Dame, you're going to play. I think six tight ends have played this year including the freshmen so you know other positions you know you might see a few cornerbacks transfer linebackers i mean it's you know you have guys like chris tyree that might come back for another year so 
It's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Hey, Left, what is the game that bothers you the most? The game that bothers me the most already passed with Ohio State just because I knew that was a determining factor in our season for how we're going to be judged more so than what it's going to do to our season. And the perception that it comes from that Ohio State loss Mm -hmm. is a a heavy, heavy weight for what we're trying to accomplish as a team. And I think for Marcus Freeman, he knows that was the most important game Mm. of the season. And and not having that just puts a hole in the season for what we'll finish strong for and also just what the season meant going into year two. I am – I talk to you way too much. Because I'm not worried about the Clemson game. Once they took the Clemson game from being prime time and made it a day afternoon game, I was like, oh, that's good. And that Clemson team, um, a refreshed Notre Dame team, I think will be very prepared walking into Clemson. But that darn last game on the West Coast, is always something against Stanford left. It is I don't care how terrible Stanford is, bro. Like the games always seem quirky. Penalties, turnovers, being on the West Coast. I and I still they're gonna win the game. I just worry about silly stuff happening like injuries and all that. The vibe around that game. I'm literally just like, man, just please let us come out of this game healthy. I know we're going to win. Man, but just let us come out of this game healthy. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Great show today. We talked about everything. Jim Harbaugh, the impact, you know, Notre Dame, and how you win. Uh, Someone asked a question left. What is the right way? to win now in college football? The right way to win is just being able to identify what you are chasing and the type of person you are. If you're the type of person that lives by by any means necessary, then going to the, the edge of the rules isn't out of line or out of bounds for what you're willing to do to get a championship. And that's kind of where college football is. If you're thinking from a competitive standpoint, what it takes to win, it's just the all-out effort that mm-hmm. is given by guys that sacrifice a lot day in and day out. So when it comes to that, I know guys are going to the extremes of figuring out the littlest competitive advantages because that's where the game of football and high stakes have pushed it. It's the same as the Heisman. There's no real way to judge the Heisman anymore because it's been built off of the most hype guy through the media that's undefeated as a football team. But these teams are evened out because these schedules got them week to week going against, you know, behemoths. And it's hard to be undefeated just as a probability mathematical equation just because the talent is all over the place these days like basketball. Yeah. And so the days of it being Alabama and Georgia just go undefeated all season, I think is coming to an end. 
transfer portal is even in the game out, so it's going to require coaches to be coaches. But this NIL and money situation has convoluted the situation where, you know, anybody can strike when the iron's hot in college football. That's where the game is, has gone to. You already know what time it is, left. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Nora Whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at NoraWhiskey.com. Man, left. what's your game this week? Ohio versus Miami of Ohio. I actually got Coach Chuck Martin. You going back to the crib? Back to the crib. Well, not the crib. I'm in northern yeah. Ohio. But uh, Coach Chuck Martin, man, I love Coach Martin. I committed to him on my way of getting to Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, he's exciting to see how his commitment to a Mac school, when I felt like he could have went bigger, yeah. he's been there for 10-plus years and it has the Miami at a, at a stable place. And uh, it's going to be a good game, the best versus the best in the Mac this yeah. weekend, and I'm glad I get to call it. And I'm sure he's going to be extra excited to see you, bro, doing your thing in, in, uh, on the call in the booth at CBS Sports Network. Um, Dwight Howard, I got to put you on the petty train, bro. You know, that's it. <laughs> Bruh, hey, man. Why are dudes so crazy with money? You get money and start doing unusual things. My brother, it, it, it really was no secret around the league. I have no problem with the way you live your life. It's seven feet, dog. You got people hitting you up with lawsuits now trying to say you taking it? With Uber receipts and all type of stuff? <laughs> Yo, this situation is so crazy. Because Luring them to your crib? What? What's, what? But you got somebody else dressed up? Answering the door? <clears throat> Man, hey. And then your see, lawyers. See, this is why it's important to get you a black woman in your life. Because black women in your life will set you straight. There's no way a black woman would allow you to be this promiscuous and crazy. What's Basically, going on saying, with you, Dwight? So what you, you trying to say where is his mom at right now? Where is his mom at? Where is his home training? <laughs> like, you done got so much money, you, you started acting different. Man, look. I, you got to entrust yourself. Jalen Johnson. Defensive back for the Chicago Bears. Went on sports radio today. And I put the, the host of the show, 
on the petty train because they were trying to be messy because they approached the question like this like man tyson bajan da 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 this many yards touchdowns no interceptions bears win you know how are we supposed to take this Jalen, how are we supposed to take this? Do we have a controversy here? And Jalen Johnson said, man, y'all tripping. I know old boy did what he did, but we ran the ball really well and covered for him as a rookie quarterback to make sure that he could execute the game plan. And the defense played well. We held the ball two-thirds of the game. So, man, I think we need to relax. Like everybody on this team know that Justin is the starter. I said, look at this. I said, boy, when the media tries to set you up and you set them straight, I said, good for Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson told him, we're not doing this. I don't care if he did win the game. We not, y'all, y'all not about to do that to my dog, number one. And they shut up because they wanted to hear something different. They tried to set them up, left. Because that's the narrative they wanted to carry. But the Bears don't got Justin Fields back. That's no, the they problem. don't. That's but it was really, it was really good hearing Jalen Johnson. It's not really good when he don't make no decisions. <laughs> Jalen Johnson said, "Man, we ain't doing that. We're not about to act like Tyson Bajan is like a franchise quarterback." We- we we babied we babied him through that game. Like relax, he ain't do he didn't do all of that. Yo, usually guys, you know, they want to be you know politically correct in those situations. Love he he chose to be honest, and I appreciate it. Lucky Luffy podcast. Don't forget, CFB Nation presented by Twisted T, and. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, audio edibles every day. Hit that like button, subscribe, man. Lucky Lefty Podcast, we spin it different. But left, we should be back on at 11 tomorrow, right, left? That's right. We're back on our regular schedules tomorrow. See you guys. Have a great evening. Make sure you spin it different. Okay. We got a, we got a petty train. I just did the petty train. Did I miss the music? Yeah, I played the entire open and everything. Damn. Now I have to put you on a petty chain, bro. <laughs> hey, left got a lot going on, bro. Real yeah. estate, Twitter, calling games. He took a break from coaching. He probably took a break from coaching, man. Listen, I love coaching, but that's a lifestyle that you have to commit 100% to. You know, you still pulling for your kids, though. I know, especially your young quarterback, bro. The young quarterback, he's gonna be right. I know it was hard to leave him. That's right. Make sure you see you tomorrow. Make sure you spin it different.